Welcome to Equip, tools for navigating real life. I want to welcome you to the Equip podcast brought to you by Arise Ministries. I'm Pam Keneally, co-founder of this organization, along with Shelley Pulliam. If you're new to the Arise podcast, welcome. We are excited to bring you tools for navigating real life and invite you to continue following the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. In today's episode, we want to interview a young man that was raised by a single mom. Often as mothers, when we're raising our children, we don't stop to think that one day they will be out of the house and they will look back and remember their days at home. Certainly, that is the case today. A story shared by a young man raised by a single mom and how one day God allowed him to to face a most frightening place at just the right God-ordained moment in order to save lives, and did an incident which within minutes threw him into international spotlight. I'm super excited to have with me today a personal friend, an American hero, Spencer Stone, a former United States Air Force Staff Sergeant. I'm sure you remember the story when Spencer, along with two other men in August of 2015, stopped a gunman on a Paris-bound train traveling from Amsterdam to Brussels. Gaining international fame, Spencer was later recognized by the U.S. Ambassador of France for his actions in saving countless lives and by President Obama with a ceremony held at the Pentagon to honor him. You might even remember the movie that showcased this tragic day on the train, 1517 to Paris, directed by Clint Eastwood. So let's just not waste another minute. Spencer, I know our audience is excited to hear from you. So welcome. And friend, thank you for doing this podcast with us today. Of course. Thank you. Uh, It's an honor to be on the podcast. And I love what you guys do. And I'm just happy I could do it. Well, I am too. And I want everybody to know we met Spencer. He was our guest speaker at at our fundraising breakfast this year. And Spencer, I have to tell you, (laughs) you were without a doubt one of our very favorite speakers we have ever brought in to to speak. You were just so great and personable. And so anyway. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's just the way we felt. And here we are getting to connect again. So this is a a God. Yeah, I must have have done something right. You wanted me on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You really got some favor going, don't you? Well, listen, (laughs) I want to start out here. Would you tell us about maybe your growing up years, your mom and dad? I know your mom was a single mom. Maybe how she became a single mom. Give us a little insight into your background. Yeah, so uh, my mom and dad uh, actually divorced when I was about two years old. Uh, And what caused the divorce was that uh, my dad was kind of a a closet alcoholic. And uh, he became, you know, pretty uh, physically abusive towards my older siblings and my mother and, and verbally abusive as well. And pretty much my mom gave him the option uh, and said, either you stop drinking or you leave, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, he chose to leave. And so that's pretty much how it happened. Um, and from there, I mean, it was a pretty tough custody battle uh, between them. Uh, there was a lot of accusations, a lot of lies coming from my dad's end and, and, and things like that. And my, my mom, uh, and she said this more recently, which actually kind of breaks my heart, because, uh, you know, we still talk about it all, because we still have, you know, kind of issues with our father and things like that, uh, is that it was, at times, she felt like it would have been almost easier 
to just stay married to him rather than divorce him because she felt like she was just dragged through hell uh, mm -hmm. during that divorce. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but she, you know, persevered and uh, eventually she was able to get full custody of us, thank God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think because at times when I was younger, <clears throat> you know, as a, as a, as a young man, I think, I think everyone, no matter who their father is, they want to spend time with their father, you know? And, uh, there was times when I was younger when I would say, well, man, I wish I could go live with my dad, you know, even though my mom was giving me the best life. Uh, and I'm so glad sure. that I was raised by my mom. Sure. Incredibly grateful. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know what kind of person I'd even be if I was raised by my father. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. We have a lot of listeners today that can certainly identify with that. And I just appreciate your honesty and vulnerability. And my hats, hats off to your mom. I know she's a great lady. I talked to you about her when you were here. Just, But you know what? Looking back, what are some things that she did right? Um, so our single moms might, might hear this and go, hey, I need to do that. Yeah, well, she did a whole lot, right? <laughs> uh, Maybe this podcast should be two hours. No, it's not. So yeah, just yeah. give us a few snippets. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I would say that she just uh, – harder question than it seems. seems like a simple question, but, you know, because you always want to pick the best things about your mother. But uh, I would say she just never gave up on me, to be honest. Uh, I was definitely a hard kid to raise, Uh I was pretty rebellious and did not do well in school. Um, you know, I practically, she had to drag me to, to school to even finish high school. Um, and because education or, or school is just not my strong suit. Um, but I would say another thing she did right was she just uh, instilled good morals in me. Uh, well, the number one thing she did was instill God in me uh, sure. and give me that uh, as, as a young man. And, that that has never left me to this day. You know, I've had my my ups and downs in my faith. Uh, I would say, uh, but you know, mostly it's it's carried me through my entire life. Uh, and so that number one, you know, putting God in my life and helping me understand who God is, uh, never giving up on me, uh, and uh, just being a loving, caring mother. You know, and sure. just even going down to the simplest of things. You know. Kind of sure. character traits is, you know, even my well, kind of comes from my grandma as well too. But uh, kind of like the three basic rules are just whatever you do, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, and right. you should be fine. She did well. That's awesome. And you know, sitting here talking to you, I, I know you mentioned before the podcast started that <laughs> you have some work going on around your house. So if we hear some banging and stuff, everybody just needs to relax. That it's yes. just part of, of some things that you're doing at your household. So we just won't pay attention to that we're just going to move right on but you know what uh, I if you could tell single moms one thing about raising boys I know she spent time with you she set boundaries she set God before you any any special advice you would tell single moms about raising boys in particular or do you think you pretty much kind of laid that out with the way she handled your, your situation um well you know I, I think at the end of the day I'm not a I'm not a woman, and I'll and I'll never be a mom. <laughs> so sure, so that's I, hard to I, say. Sometimes, sometimes I don't want to, you know, necessarily tell them uh, what I think they should do. But sure. at the same time, uh, just based off my experience of being able to look uh, in hindsight, you know, as my mom raised me, uh, if I could say one thing, 
it would be that just maybe don't be uh, too hard on yourself and and, right. and accept the fact that you may not have all the answers for him right. and you may not be able to do everything for him and that's okay uh, you know at the end of the day the, the most you could do is fulfill your your part as a mother you know I think a lot of moms single moms especially maybe try and take on that they have to be the man as well and, and teach them how to be a man that is the, greatest, the greatest thing about uh, my life has been is the, the father figures that I've been able to have uh, growing up and that that came from you know my mom having uh, good uh, girlfriends yes. uh, who had good husbands uh, right. and who they would pick me up and take me places and do things and, you know, hang out with me, play sports, right. do whatever. So, well, that's, uh, so, yeah. that's, we're just hammering out the truth here, literally, aren't we? Mm-hmm. No, you <laughs> with know. the background going. Thanks for the background music. It's really helping us <laughs> you're welcome. get the feel of what you're just, you know, you're goes along of. with the rhythm of my voice. <laughs> it is. It's just going along with the with the uh, meaning of this podcast. No, I apologize. Oh, no, it's super great. Hey, I want you to tell me a little bit. Once you left, now I want to move into a little bit about your uh, career in, in the Air Force and what led you there, and tell us a little bit about that uh, that stage in your life. Uh, I'm sorry, can you say the first part again? Yeah, I was just wanting to know what led you to move into the military. Oh, yes. Just uh, what did that look like for you? So, um, basically, I, I think I, I'd always kind of, you know, I had aspirations of joining the military. And like I said, I was I was hard kid to raise. I, I mean, I barely passed high school, too, as well. So I, <laughs> I was a struggle all the way up until I was 18. But I kind of had this, like, you know, like a, a year period where it was kind of like a wake-up call for me after high school. I realized that, you know, I hadn't even accomplished anything with my life at this point, you know, even through high school activities. Uh, And I was definitely on the road of not doing much with my life. And I, you know, love my mother. I love my mother at this point. Luckily, I was able to look at it this way. And I said, well, you know, my mom sacrificed a lot for me. And I got to make her proud. Like, that was pretty much my goal. I just wanted to make my family proud. because I honestly looked at myself to be very stupid uh, for a long time and unintelligent and not gifted and, and things like that. So I just wanted to go do the craziest thing possible. Uh, and to me, that was to become an Air Force pararescue man, uh, which is basically the Air Force equivalent to the Navy SEALs. And wow. uh, so I trained my butt off for that. I, <clears throat> got, you know, had to uh, lose about 50 pounds, uh, put on, you know, like 15 pounds, 20 pounds of muscle. Uh, I went from doing zero pull-ups to being able to do about 12, 15, you know, running a sub-six-minute mile. So, you know, I had to get all the physical attributes down. And, and once I was able to do that, then I started to go through the process. I found out that I, uh, I don't have good depth perception, so I was disqualified. Uh, from even being able to enter into the program. But at that point, I said, well, you know, I've been working for a year at this point. Okay. You know, I'm still just going to, I'm going to join the Air Force. I got to do something with my life, you know. And in school, I just was not interested at the time. And uh, so I went into the Air Force. I, I, I tried to be a, a, a SEER uh, guy, which is stands for a Survival uh, Evasion Resistance and Escape. They teach 
downed uh, airmen and, and other special forces, uh, you know, how to survive in any type of environment, you know, whether they're captured by the enemy, what, how they're supposed to act as a POW, things like that. <coughs> and uh, so I actually failed out of that program. And then uh, <coughs> I was reclassed. <coughs> Excuse me. I was reclassed into the uh, the medical field uh, after that, which actually, coincidentally, was exactly what I needed for something that was going to happen later in my life. Uh, so I became a medic, and I, uh, I ended up working at a pediatric clinic and uh, ambulance services uh, throughout my career. Wow, that's amazing. I, I, I so love the part that you said that God was preparing you for something bigger, because isn't that the way it works, Spencer, that God... Mm-hmm. God I, I, I learned that throughout most of my entire life yes. that I was always being denied the things I wanted and being pushed into the direction of the things I needed. Oh, that's amazing, and that God had a purpose in it all. Amen. <laughs> well, I want to move into a th- little bit about... Um, about the train and I know our listeners are like that's what they've been waiting for us to finally get to is that experience on the train <laughs> tell us give a little us the bit. juice give, give us, us the, the juice, juice you know and and uh, and I've seen the scars so I know this really happened on you so anyway tell us a little bit about your friends you were heading one day you know traveling from Amsterdam you were just getting on the train y'all were just going to relax and I don't know tell us from the time yeah. just tell us about that experience we are ready to hear yeah, so I was traveling through Europe with two of my uh, lifelong friends, uh, Alex Garlottis and Anthony Sandler. We've known each other collectively since uh, we were about 12 years old. And uh, we, you know, going all through Europe, we hit about probably five, six cities at this point. We were leaving Amsterdam, headed to Paris. Uh, we, As we're going through Brussels, uh, a terrorist gets on board. And uh, his name is actually Ayub El Kazani, and uh, you know we are all the way in the first class cabin, uh, you know, because we're big ballers like that at a young age. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Mostly, we're just putting it all on our credit card and hoping we can pay it back someday. <laughs> uh, Smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a great financial advisor to my friends. <laughs> uh, and so you know we're in the first class cabin. Ayub, the terrorist, gets on board. He goes into the bathroom and he has an AK-47. 300 rounds of ammunition, a pistol, a box cutter, uh, gasoline, uh, and a hammer. And he is in the bathroom kind of getting prepped, watching videos, getting himself pumped up, uh, and things like that. Uh, There's two men outside the bathroom waiting to go, and one by the name of Mark McGallion, the other by the name of Damien, who is a French banker, but that's kind of his alias. Uh, And the terrorist comes out. And he's fully ready to go at this point. He's shirtless, backpack strapped to the front of him. He's got an AK-47. They get into an initial kind of like confrontation, a little fight. And uh, Mark McGallion, who's actually one of my heroes uh, in all of this, uh, he rips the AK-47 out of the terrorist's hands. And he runs into our train car with it. Uh, Pretty much his thoughts were like, okay, let me just get it away from him. And uh, as he's going into our train car, the terrorist was able to knock out the other guy. And then he pulled out his pistol uh, and shot Mark in the back. And the bullet ricocheted around his body. It broke two ribs, collapsed his left lung, came out of his neck, severed his carotid artery. So he's bleeding profusely already uh, and you know, on his way to dying. And so I didn't hear any of this. I was actually asleep at the time. 
I had my Bose noise canceling headphones on and listened to some R and B. So I'm chillaxing and uh, a train employee sees this happen and he runs in between us towards the front of the train, down the aisle. <clears throat> and that commotion kind of wakes me up and I and I the first thing I think to myself is, Why is he running like that? Yeah, and I uh, I take my headphones off and the first thing I hear is glass breaking, people screaming. I, I turn around and the first thing I see is Ayub coming into the train car, picking an AK-47 off the ground, and then loading around in the chamber. Uh, so I'm looking down the aisle, and my, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he short-stroked the gun, it's on safety, or it's just not working because he just hadn't started shooting yet. And my buddy hits me on the shoulder and he says, Go, Spencer. And uh, pretty much, you know, I'm in the aisle seat. At that point, your friend tells you to go. You're you're on a train 200 miles an hour in the middle of the countryside. There's there's nowhere to go anyway, so you you might as well do something. Uh, you know, because either way, you're just going to maybe sit there and wait to get shot or go out in a blaze of glory. So that was kind of my thinking. And I, I took off down the aisle, charged at him. He's about 20, 30 feet away from me. <clears throat> and... Uh, uh, he actually raised the rifle at me, pulled the trigger, and this is definitely a God thing right here, pulled the trigger, uh, but it was a bad primer uh, in, the, in the rifle, in, in the bullet casing. And if anyone on the podcast uh, doesn't know what a primer is, it's basically what ignites the gunpowder that is in the bullet casing, and, and that's what actually you know propels the bullet at you, uh, that kind of ignition of, of the powder which explodes. Uh, and so that was a dud. Boom, didn't go off. Uh, that gave me enough time to get to him. I, I tackled him. Uh, luckily, I had been training jujitsu for the past year, and uh, I, I kind of knew that if I could just get up into his face, I, I could potentially uh, do something. And so, you know, I, I, we're on the ground after I tackle him at this point. I'm, I'm wrestling him. I'm trying to grab the gun. He rips it away. Uh, and I, I pretty much go straight to jiu-jitsu. I take his back. I put him in a rear naked choke. I throw myself and him against uh, the train car uh, window. And I'm on his back. He, he pulls the pistol that he just shot Mark with uh, and puts it against my head, tries to shoot me with it. It doesn't go off either. Uh, and my buddy Alec runs up, grabs the pistol out of his hands, starts to hit the terrorist in the face with it. Then the terrorist pulls out a knife, uh, which is well, it's more of a box cutter, uh, classic terrorist weapon, uh, and uh, reaches back and starts to basically try and slit my throat. And uh, he, so I had two long slashes on the back of my neck, uh, and then he comes across and cuts my left thumb down to the bone, severs my tendon and nerve and I didn't feel the wounds in my neck and what he was doing he just kind of burned and uh, I just looked over at my thumb and I saw it you know pretty much hanging halfway off and I said to him how did he do that because I couldn't see the knife and I look over his shoulder and that's when I see him swinging the knife around mm -hmm. and I screamed I screamed to my friends I said get him off me he's got a knife mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I kicked him off me and you know we all started to kick him punch him do things like that. Uh, he was either pushed into me or shoved in, uh, or lunged at me, and I kind of used his momentum to uh, uh, throw him over a table. And then uh, at that point, me, Alec, and Anthony were all kind of putting our weight on top of him. Uh, 
And uh, my friend Alec grabbed the pistol, told him to stop resisting, stop moving. Uh, he put it against his head, said stop moving again. The guy's still flailing, flailing everywhere, so he pulled the trigger, didn't go off. Pulled the trigger, didn't go off. That's when he realized that there was no more ammunition in it. Uh, so my buddy threw the pistol, and then I just decided to throw him in another room, make a choke. And uh, finally, I was able to choke him unconscious. Uh, and, you know, shortly after the terrorist became unconscious, Mark stood up. And that was the first time I had seen Mark and, or realized that anyone else had been injured. I thought, you know, like the attack just started. Sure. And uh, so, you know, and I'm seeing red at this point. I mean, oh, to be yes. honest, I, I was going to kill the terrorist yes. w without a doubt. Uh, and... So, I, but I see Mark, and I say, oh, I'm a medic, you know, okay, like, today's your lucky day, man. Yes. And, uh, so I kind of throw him down and tell him, hey, tell everyone, hey, don't make sure he doesn't wake up or, you know, tie him up, do what you got to do. Yes. And uh, so I, I crawl over to Mark, I take my shirt off, I see the wound, uh, and mind you, you know, I have been working in a pediatric clinic <laughs> for most of my career. That's amazing. So I'm mostly, mostly I was just handing out stickers and lollipops, get, get shots. <laughs> sure. You know, I hadn't, haven't really seen a trauma like this. I worked on it, you know, on the ambulance for a small amount of time, you know, but it was on a small island in Portugal. We didn't really have much going on. Uh, so my level of experience with trauma like this is, is pretty much none. Yes. And uh, other than my training, but it's so true that your training does kick in. Sure. Uh, in these type of situations. So well, I saw that, uh, you know, there's pressure behind his wound. So uh, I pretty much just said, okay, I gotta get his artery. It's his artery. I, I stuck my uh, finger in the hole that he had in his neck and I found his artery and I was able to clamp it off. And we held that position for the next 30 minutes uh, until we got to the next train station. And uh, Mark ended up surviving. Uh, and thank God, and we're good friends to this day. Sure, uh, that's amazing. And nobody died. Yes. So. Well, I, you know, I know the listeners are feeling the same thing I am. Just, just so thankful that God enabled you, He empowered you, and He filled you for the moment of action to be able to pull this off. And so we are thankful to God for that. And certainly, certainly. Um, um, are thankful for your heroism at that moment to act wisely and do quickly what you had been trained to do for so long. My question really, you know, I know you went into international fame and spotlight and how has this changed your life? Uh, completely, uh, almost in every single way, except for, uh, you know, the relationship I have with my family, uh, and, and friends. Uh, I mean, definitely some friends have, uh, Changed their relationship with sure. you over, over sure. this, sure. Uh, which is which is strange in my opinion. But uh, it, if anything, it's actually been a huge blessing in my life. Yes. And even though it was supposed to be one of the most traumatic things to ever happen to me, it ended up being one of the best things to happen right. to me. So it's almost like a little silver lining. That is uh, beautiful. And and something that was supposed to be very right traumatic and evil. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I know you went on to do a movie with Clint Eastwood, 1517 to Paris. And by the way, at nighttime, sometimes when I'm flipping through the channels, <laughs> there you Does are. <laughs> there you are on the TV. And I'm like, I know him. But, you know, what was it like working with Clint Eastwood? I know our listeners are like, yeah, what was it like working with him? Uh, it was amazing. He is a heck of a guy. Uh, I mean, he's 88 now. I think he's going to be 89 soon. That's and amazing. He is in incredible shape. He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, 
he's so relaxed, you know, about life. Uh, he would, you know, not only he gave us a great opportunity to not only did he make a movie on our lives, but then he had us play ourselves in it. Yes. And that's something that does not happen. And he really went out of his way to make that happen. I mean, a lot of like, you know, some of the people who worked for the studio weren't exactly uh, in favor of this idea. And sure. uh, he really put his foot down and said, you know, pretty much, no, we're doing it and they're going to do it. Well, and, I'm so glad because you were you were like the best actor ever, but you weren't acting. It was like real life drama. So, <laughs> well, thank you. I it was great. It. You know what, Spencer? Tell me a little bit, real quickly, um, and some little bit of the time we have left about your relationship with Christ. How this has affected your your relationship with the Lord, and how it has where it has affected you spiritually. <clears throat> well, if anything, it has. If it wasn't solid before, it's solidified my relationship with Christ indefinitely uh and you know what i i can't act like i'm a i'm a perfect human being uh and i think your relationship with god is 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 something everybody needs to work on on a daily basis but uh so i just i feel like i just continue to grow every single day but my, i would say my faith uh in christ is deeper than ever uh and it, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Of course. Well, I'm so, so grateful for that. And I, I knew that because you had shared that at the breakfast and we had you and you talked about your relationship with Christ. So one last question. Let me ask you, what's next for you? What, what's well, next on your agenda? <laughs> <laughs> so certainly, actually, certainly no train uh, rides. What's next for you? So, uh, well, you know, uh, through the, through the movie process, I caught the acting bug. So, uh, I'm living in Los Angeles, and uh, I'm in acting classes, uh, going on auditions and, and things like that. So hopefully a, uh, a fruitful acting career. Uh, I also, you know, still, like you said, I, you know, I came and spoke for you guys, so I do a lot of speaking still as well, uh, which is great. I love to speak. And it's funny because I had always loved watching speakers uh, when I was young. One of my favorite speakers was uh, Les Brown growing up. And uh, which actually we, we also got him to be in the movie as well, do a voiceover. Um, and so it's kind of funny how I fell into speaking. Uh, and so it's something I love to do. Hopefully I continue to do that uh, for the rest of my life. Sure. And uh, also I'm uh, working on selling a TV show right now. Oh, my goodness. Or not. Yeah. And so the, the whole concept would be. Uh, we call the show Unsung Heroes mm -hmm. or The Unsung, and hopefully I'll be the host of it and the producer on it. And uh, I want to take, you know, because the whole whole deal is, you know, me and my friends, uh, you know, we were able to do this great thing, and we've received a ton of recognition for it, and which is great, and it's been life-changing for us. But there's a ton of people out there that have done amazing things. Right. And they have not been recognized. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they got five-minute little news story you know, and then everybody forgets about it. And I think those, those things are, are what we need uh, in today's world. Absolutely. And uh, I would love to have the opportunity to start immortalizing people's stories for them, just how Mr. Eastwood did for me. Because now, you know, it's, it's, it's an important thing, especially for someone's family, for their legacy. Everybody has a legacy, whether it's good or bad. Uh, and I would just love to be able to, to do that for people and well, that's, Make that show. that's great, and we that's look forward to seeing that happen, and we'll, and we'll praise God with you. You know what? Um, 
I see your construction still going on at your house, so I'm just going to close this <laughs> podcast out. I hope you have a beautiful situation when we're done with this. But hey, Yeah, and I apologize again. No, it, you've been worth every hammer. So you know what? I just want to say to our audience today, I hope you've been touched by today. I know I have. And I want to tell our listeners we would love to hear your thoughts about today, or you can ask questions and we can answer them on future podcasts. If you'll just leave us a comment on social media or email us at info at ariseministries.net, we would love that. And I just want to leave our listeners with this thought. Moms, you matter. Just do your job one day at a time. Just just doing your job, raising faithful kids, teaching them to love God. And, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 31, 28, that your children will rise up and call you blessed. And we have certainly seen that in Spencer's life today. So if you enjoyed our podcast today, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and share it on social media. Be sure to visit our website at www.ariseministries.net. And there you will see uh, videos, articles, and podcasts specifically for single moms. Lots of tools for navigating real life. Thank you for listening today and have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to an Equip podcast. To find out more about Arise Ministries or resources offered for single moms, visit www.ariseministries.net.